This is Teach, Travel, Talk About It, a podcast from International TEFL Academy, where we sit down with our alumni, staff, and other members of the TEFL community to hear their stories about teaching English abroad, traveling the world, and everything in between. I'm your host, Jasira Vardak. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, we're sitting down with two of our alumni today, a uh, couple, Stephen and Jess, who have been teaching online and country hopping for the past two years. Before we get started, I just want to preface things by letting you know that at the time of this recording, it's been just two weeks since we heard the news about the new regulations out of China that are affecting the online teaching market. And uh, yesterday, we got some additional news about companies shutting down without notice. We will be asking Stephen and Jess about these regulations, how they're affecting them, and what they mean uh, later in the podcast. So stey tuned. All right. Hello, guys. Hello. Doing, doing well, well. Doing well. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. So I know it's a bit of a stressful time right now. So thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, I would love to start out just hearing a little bit about both of you. So would you mind... Uh, introducing yourselves for us. Sure, Jess, you can go first. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, again, my name is Jessica Thompson, and uh, like you said, we've been traveling the world for two years. Um, yeah, that's uh, our. In, uh, like you said before, everything is just kind of taking up a lot of different brain space with everything going on. But uh, we love traveling, love eating loads of different foods. <laughs> um, I am from North Carolina, so I'm from a very, I guess you would call it a smallish city, but um, I grew up in Fort Bragg, which is a massive military town, and yeah, then I just decided to jet off and travel the world at 24 years old, which kind of was a shock to everybody, but um, yeah, that's me. And uh, I'm Stephen, uh, Stephen Cruz, full name, but I'm from Scotland originally. Uh, I came over to North Carolina as well, um, and I studied at university in North Carolina. Um, graduated from there, ended up taking a job in higher ed for a few years, and I had my soul withered down to the bone um, by sitting in an office for, for five years. <laughs> so when Jess came up with the concept of just kind of leaving and going traveling for a little while, I was I kind of jumped at the chance. But um, <laughs> obviously it's been a massively life-changing thing over the last couple of years. And since we've had our TEFL, been teaching for the last couple of years as well. So uh, yeah, that's me. So did you guys start out country hopping or did you decide did you go to a, a country first to teach um well our original plan uh when we first came up with the concept of even leaving uh was actually to go and teach in person in china so that was the original concept to go and get a, a brick and mortar job um and in shanghai or shenzhen i think shenzhen was the first place that we looked at yeah. and uh after a little while we, we started thinking about it and the reason that we were trying to leave was to get a bit of freedom and we felt that although moving to China was going to be a drastic difference from what we'd done, it was still tying us to a nine to five job and, and the frustrations that we would still have. And after the novelty of being in China, maybe we're off, we may end up with the same sort of frustrations that we'd had before. So we decided to do the country hopping thing and just get into the online teaching. But we still started in China. We decided that that was where we were going to go. So we, we went in at the deep end and went for the, the opposite end of the spectrum culturally with, with China. And since then, we've been to fifth. 16 countries, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think. We'll Which, kind of up considering and, uh, <laughs> COVID is, is pretty good, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and this is likely going to be changing, I'm sure, but um, how long did it take uh, you guys to sort of establish yourselves teaching online and, and start 
earning enough. So I would say it, it took us a couple of months. Um, Stephen had so Stephen got his job with Wales before um, Wales English before I did. So he was about a month ahead of me in terms of getting the training, getting classes, etc. And when we left for China, we knew that we were going to be in each place for roughly about a month. So it wasn't it wasn't too hard for us to get established, but we also knew that it was going to take a little bit longer. So for Stephen, when we got to Shenzhen, he what Stephen? I think you had like seven classes at the time. Yeah, yeah, maybe, only only a few at that point. Seven. Yeah, yeah, um, and I didn't have any. I actually hadn't started teaching at all yet <laughs>、um, when we. Uh, got to Shenzhen, so it was.、Um, looking back on it, I definitely we definitely jumped into the deep end because we didn't prepare. We didn't have a solid schedule. Like we really didn't know what was going to be happening or how quickly those the schedules would fill. But I would say that by the time we left China, which was roughly three and a half months later, we had pretty established. We had established a pretty good schedule. It was. It was. Quite full on the weekends for us at that point. And the country, not the country, the company that we worked for, their、um, wills were very good for having a set schedule. I know that other companies, it, it kind of goes week by week that you open your schedule and you get the flexibility with it. With Wales, you were able to book in those slots, and once a, a, a parent had book, paid for that, you were locked in for six months. So we had a lot of stability once we had those classes, which was wonderful because we were pretty much guaranteed、um, the same paycheck every month, which was. Which was really really comforting once we had a full schedule as well. That is excellent. So, so does that mean you mentioned you know、uh, booking up your your classes on the weekend? Does that mean that you guys only teach on the weekends and then you have your your weeks free? Yeah, yeah. So we、uh, we made the decision to try and do、uh, so, so we could maximize the actual travel time that we had because again the point was freedom. So we were just sort of flipping the script and having our weekends as our weekdays. So we worked、um, three hours on Friday evenings and then we'd wake up and work all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Um, a full schedule was about twenty-four hours, so we worked twenty-four hours within the space of two days and an evening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was easy in China because you were going. It was basically <laughs> eight till eight till nine, which was which was fine. But when you went, we were in Scotland and we're waking up at one in the morning、2 2 to start a. teaching,、yeah. and that's that's a, a brutal one. But、um, <laughs> but the money was good, and, and it was it made let us travel the rest of the week, so no complaints. Yeah. Did you ever、um, take time off, or did you just have you just been working consistently every weekend for the last two years? We usually don't have to take time off.、Uh, we are offered、um, every six months. So the the contract and Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that the contract splits up our time off in terms of like how how much time off we can take within a certain period of time. So I think that it's split within six months of the contract year. And we got one long vacation or one long holiday, which was、uh, a full two weeks, and then we got、uh, two separate short-term holidays. So we could take one day off or two days off, kind of scattered around if you wanted to. But we never actually had to use it. The only time that we used it, I believe, we've only used it once so far, and it was in Tokyo because we、uh, were yeah, going to be in、yeah. Japan for a week. If anybody's visited Tokyo, you know it's extremely expensive, and it's much more expensive than we were used to so far traveling around China and Mongolia. But we wanted to go for Christmas, so we went and we stayed in a hostel. So that wasn't going to be conducive to teaching.、Um, so we took that vacation or that holiday time off. Outside of that, we haven't had to use it. So. No. Yeah, the five days are enough、That's、to pretty, do more stuff. So that's excellent. Yeah, well, you've got basically a, a whole week and、uh, to to、um, to 
do whatever you want in, in the countries you're in. So speaking of sort of like hostels and, and all of that kind of thing, when you do go to a new place, how have you been handling things like, you know, setting yourself up in the country, finding a, a place to live and work, internet, phones, all that kind of stuff? Yes. So usually before we move to somewhere, um, at the start of it, we were very, very good at like preparing completely. Um, but the more comfortable we got with everything, we'd end up kind of a couple of days before we were doing stuff. So don't do that when you're first starting. If definitely don't do that when you're first starting. But um, at the start, you know, we'd look at Airbnbs, which was our main source of accommodation. Um, a lot of other people use like Facebook groups and stuff now to to be able to find apartment shares and stuff like that. But um, Airbnb was the easiest one to do. We had to find places that had at least another bedroom so that we could be separated. So that was the biggest um, barrier when we were always searching for places just because that was important because we couldn't be heard. And we'd find that a few weeks before. We'd book that, a little bit of research as to the best SIM cards, all that kind of stuff to make sure that we had a backup in case the Wi-Fi failed. The Wi-Fi was usually the biggest issue that we'd have because we'd ask people beforehand, we need a strong Wi-Fi, we need this or that. And obviously sometimes they're just trying to sell their, their place and they'll say, yeah, the Wi-Fi is great, very fast, mm. wonderful, excellent. And you get there and there's an upload of three and an up uh, and a download of four <laughs> and it's yeah. patchy and it ducks out at 10 o'clock every night. And um, so we started asking people to show us a speed test before we even arrived just to make sure that it was like that. But um, I mean, we had some really That's sketchy really ones. Mongolia was rough. Mongolia was every weekend was a battle just not to miss classes because we were just fighting with that um we had to use hotspots mm. the entire time there but um it's, it just becomes kind of habit uh in, in the same way that paying your rent bills every month when you're at home you get used to just finding a place getting the sim card sorted out finding the local grocery stores know what you can have know what you can eat what you can't eat all these kind of things and it's it keeps it exciting we, definitely yeah and we usually in terms of hotspots are buying sim cards because in every country you go to they're going to be different providers so we usually just google that and we google you know what has the most stable uh internet what has the best packages etc and it's, it's usually quite easy to find you'll find the top mm -hmm. two biggest providers in the country you'll kind of pick from there and you can pretty much get them anywhere at any local grocery shop or convenience store or even the airport um if you know what you're looking for as soon as you fly into the country you can pop a SIM card into your phone. So it, it like Stephen said, it just becomes, um, once you kind of have a core idea of the first three or four things you're going to need to do in a new country, it just gets easier to just know, okay, well, I can book a place two days before I get there and that's okay. And then I'm looking for X, Y, and Z, so. Have there been any other resources that you've used that have been especially helpful? In terms of like uh, like apps and all those kind of things, or yeah, really anything you know, apps that have been helpful, or you know, websites, or sure, yeah. So I mean, there's nowadays obviously with the internet, and there's there's a billion different bloggers that are on now, obviously. So for every country that you go into, the, you can find the best advice on everything that comes through with that. So that's a good place to start. A quick Google search is very nice. Um, don't rely on it solely because a lot of these people aren't doing the same thing, and they will do that, but. We've always had the Airbnb, like we said, that's, that's, that's been a lifesaver for us. Um, Hostel World is another app that I use all the time when we're looking for different hostels. Obviously, hostels are much more cost-effective for, for quick trips and stuff like that. Um, Maps.me is an absolute lifesaver. Um, that app is wonderful. Um, you can download all the maps beforehand, and it's actually really good for showing 
walkways as well so like in google maps and especially maps.me is wonderful for showing you every path like footpaths going up through the hills and everything like that um and you don't even need your sim card after a while as long as you've got gps on your phone if you download the map when you have wi-fi you can find your way around no problem at all and then your usual translate apps getting a google translate in there is a massive 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 help especially in the countries <laughs> where you're not going to find um anyone speaking english yeah, those those are the ones that I've had consistently. But every time you step into a new country, there's usually an app that's going to help you a lot in there. So I'll think mm-hmm. about that as well. But yeah, what is it like? What has it been like um, for you guys doing this as a couple? How how long were you guys together before you decided to make this move? It was before that. It was a year and a half to, to, since before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been together a year and a half, and I think we started planning it after about nine or ten months actually. So it wasn't too long after. Was it as long as that? Uh yeah so we had we we started talking about it i think it was like august when you started talking about it yeah yeah so it was less than a year we were together before we started talking about it and then it was at the it was about a year and eight months i think we were together when we decided to to leave for china and uh how has it been uh traveling together and and going on this adventure it's been really really good i mean it's I, i'm i told jess from the very start that i'm i'm a big proponent of the concept that traveling like this with with someone that you love and that you want to be around and is is one of the biggest tests that you can do and i think a lot of people that don't do it will tell you oh, i mean how, how hard can it be you're just traveling but it's you're, you're on holiday but the realization that you're not on, <laughs> you're not on holiday after a while you're with someone for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and in mm-hmm. new places and different places, having to deal with genuine issues that have immediate ramifications as to whether you can get in or out of a country, and they can be high-stress situations. And um, I always said that when you're at home and you're working nine to five, and you could you could have been with someone for four or five years, and you have a nine to five job, and you see them for 10 minutes in the morning, you go to work and you come back, these are both tired you have dinner you watch tv you go to bed and that's 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 your relationship apart from the weekends Mm. um but when you're traveling long term like this especially when you don't know people in a new country so you're not socializing all the time it strips away all of the other extraneous stuff and it kind of lets you address every little bit of your personalities and how they gel with each other. Jess was, when we first arrived in China, she was very much culture shock. I'm very easy-ozy with these things. Like, I'll go in and they're throwing chicken feet at me and I'm like, yeah, cool, great, great fire it in. And um, we had to address the, the big disparity in my easiness with those situations and Jesse's stress with it and there would be times where I felt guilty for trying to do things and there would be times where Jess felt guilty for not wanting to do something and just working out when to be dead honest with each other and saying like no I'm, I need to be selfish in this situation and I think that's the biggest thing that I think we've both learned is being selfish which sounds silly but um when you're with each other all the time understanding that you both have things that you need and things that you want to do and things that you're different in and it really, really addresses that in a way that we couldn't have ever fathomed when we were back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as as much as it's been absolutely incredible, and uh, you know, two years into it, uh, we just celebrated our two years. So now, almost four years into our relationship, but half of it has been traveling the world and being together twenty four seven, and really genuinely not breaking apart from each other for more than an hour or two at, at a time, you know, and, and that doesn't happen every day. So um, as as much as on this side of it now, we've kind of developed a really, really good uh, sense of communication and things like that. It hasn't been easy. And, and that's not 
to say that it has been just a piece of cake the whole time because we've had to have conversations that we never expected to have to have in a relationship. I'd never had them before because you're faced with a totally different set of circumstances. And as much as the traveling process changes you as an individual, and it if, if you go into traveling with a mindset of, I'm going to give it everything that I have because this is my life for this part of my life, it will 100% change you. It will change, it has the potential mm-hmm. to change everything about you. And so you've got two people who are in the process of changing and developing different parts of themselves individually, but we're also dealing with that together as a couple. So it's it, it can be challenging. And a lot of couples that do this don't end up staying together because it is so, it can be so mm-hmm. difficult, but we're just lucky that we're okay. <laughs> and we're more than okay now. And it's, we, we kind of were able to get through the moments that were quite difficult which is understandable, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be difficult. I always overquote this to Jess, but Bill Murray um, <laughs> made this quote and he said, if you have someone that you think is the one, take them and travel around the world, buy a plane ticket for the two of you and travel all over the world to places that are hard to reach and hard to get out of. And when you land at JFK and you're still in love with that person, get married. And I've always viewed, and I think that's completely valid. If, if Jess can get through all this time traveling with me and doesn't want to kill me the entire time, uh, <laughs> I, I, there's not there's not a whole lot that I don't like the concept of dealing with a mortgage or anything like that is it just seems like the easiest thing in the world honestly but, mm. especially yeah. now going through losing your jobs together at the same time yeah on the other side of the good. world we're like okay <laughs> <laughs> everything else to consider just feels like it gets easier and easier <laughs> mm-hmm. what a fun bonding experience yeah. <laughs> just sitting sobbing over a bottle of wine together yeah <laughs> Those are the moments. Uh, that is that is interesting, though. I think that's a really good point about about traveling. And I would absolutely, uh, I don't think I've heard that Bill Murray quote before, but I definitely agree with it. So the last like year and a half of your traveling has been during the pandemic. What has that been like? It was, it, it's been interesting. It's been very, very interesting on many complex emotional, mental uh, levels. Um, we were in Vietnam at the time of really understanding how severe um, COVID was going to be. It was February of 2020. So at, at that point, um, I think the whole world was kind of getting on board with this idea of, okay, if you're out of the country, go back to your home country, things are going to start happening. Countries are gonna lock down and it's going to happen pretty quickly. So we had to, again, it was a massive shock. We were six months into traveling um, and we had been to about, I think Vietnam was our seventh or eighth country. So we were, we'd been bouncing around quite a lot and we were planning to continue that. And of course, prior to February, everybody thought that it was just, oh, it's just going to pass over. It's not going to be a big deal. You know, we, we all, we all remember that, (laughs) that idea. (laughs) Um, uh, So Stephen and I had to have a quite a serious conversation actually, um, which was very difficult for me because I was getting a lot of pressure from back home to come back home. But we ended up making a a decision to go to Malaysia. Uh, We had been to Malaysia already. So that was one of our destinations before we went to Vietnam. And so we knew that we wanted to stay out. We didn't want to go back home because we didn't know. We didn't know the process of what we didn't know anything. Countries locking down or procedure. We could have never anticipated that we would still be dealing with COVID 
you know, a year and a half later. What we did know is that Stephen had about three months in America because of his visa process. And the, the uncertainty of not being together after those three months, we just weren't willing to, to risk that. So we went to Malaysia. Malaysia had one of the best. Um, we felt safe in Malaysia. It was, it was a cheap cost of living. Uh, we really enjoyed it whenever we were there and we knew that if anything did happen, if we did get sick, if we did have an issue, we would be able to go to the hospitals there and it was good health care. So we, were, we felt quite comfortable with that. And we ended up staying in Malaysia yeah. for 10 months. The Malaysian government was quite Amazing. phenomenal. Um, and, and, and also, just to, to caveat when it comes to um, us making a choice to go to Malaysia, we were like, well, we get three months. Without having to apply for a visa, you, you can just walk, if you're of a certain nationality, you can just walk into Malaysia, you're on a visitor's pass, and you can stay for 90 days. So we were like, mm. oh, that's amazing. COVID will be over by then, so we won't have to worry about it. <laughs> so we went to Malaysia. We felt quite Sense. safe and comfortable. That sounds so and <laughs> It does, it does. But that was our, our train of thought. Um, and of course, we got to Malaysia uh, within, I think we locked down in April, didn't we, Stephen? I thought it was March 17th. Maybe it was March 17th. I don't, know why. I don't I, even I think that, it was. I have that drilled into my head. So we, we yeah. weren't there for more than a month before Malaysia went to a serious lockdown. And they haven't lifted that, that lockdown since. So they've been quite strict with their, with their policies and their rules. Um, but we were in a full lockdown for three months where we were pretty much unable to do anything other than leave our apartment, go to a store. We had a lot of time that we could, that we could, we couldn't be out of the house for a, an extremely long period of time. You were subject to people stopping and asking you where you're going because they wanted to make sure that you weren't just driving to drive or that they, you had a purpose for getting into a car and going somewhere. And we were just kind of stuck in the apartment for three months. We, we weren't allowed to do much at all. But we ended up staying in Malaysia for 10 months. The, the Malaysian government was incredibly kind to everybody that was there. And they allowed us to stay until the end of 2020 uh, without applying for a visa. So that wasn't, um, they were very, very kind. So we stayed there until the beginning of uh, December. December 2020. And then we went to Scotland. So, um, and then we went to Scotland for a bit <laughs> and then we left Scotland and that's where the last, I guess, three and a half months have gone. We've been traveling yeah. around quite a bit since then. And so we've been navigating all the PCR tests and COVID tests and yeah, whatnot with that. Yeah. Interesting. It's been very, very interesting. <laughs> and um, we should have addressed this at the, at the top, but where are you guys right now? Oh, we're in Tbilisi in Georgia, in Georgia. Yeah. How so? Georgia is definitely uh, an off the beaten path country. How how has it been living there for the last? Uh, you guys have been been there at least a month, almost a month. Just two uh, weeks, two and a half, two, weeks. two and a half weeks. Oh, two yeah, weeks. this is a, a third weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah, we were in Istanbul just before that, so we were in Turkey for a month before that, um, and we just got here. Um, and honestly, we, we've we've only been out a little bit just because of all the stuff that we'll talk about that later. Obviously, with um, with all the the issues with the jobs, but uh, because of those issues we've been spending a lot of time in the apartment just trying to sort things out and 
but uh, we were out last night. We went and met some friends that we'd met in Istanbul um, who are here as well now. So we had a lovely night. Um, the food here is is wonderful. I definitely it's recommend amazing. coming for the food if nothing else. And it's and also a, a phenomenal center for <laughs> wine. Yeah, wine Georgian wine is a big big deal here. So they and it's it's very very good. We went out last week as well and had far too much. And it's for Westerners, it's really really affordable too. It's really nice to overdo it and then look at the bill and not feel horrible about yourself. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Only feel partially horrible for how you feel. Yeah. Just yeah. just the hangover. Just the hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sort of um, being in Georgia and, and having to sort of stay in and figure things out, this seems like a good time to talk about what, you know, the recent news out of China, which, as I mentioned at the beginning, happened about two weeks ago. Today, actually, was when those regulations were announced. There's been a lot of sort of uncertainty and not sure what was going on and how things would exactly affect everything. But you guys just got some big news. Yeah. Not not great news uh, <laughs> yesterday. So could you guys start out by just sort of giving a quick overview of what those regulations are out of China and then you know what's been going on in the last 24 hours? Oh, do you want me to do the regulations, Jess, and then you can tell them what happened to us? Yeah, go ahead. So China has the biggest market for the online English teaching industry and in person as well, actually. But uh, so there's loads and loads of companies. I couldn't even give you a number. You can you can probably give a better figure on how many companies there even were for that. Um, it's a lot. Not, it's a lot. Yeah. It's an insane amount of companies. <laughs> They're all very different and, and everything else. And obviously the Chinese government is the Chinese government. We won't go down the political route exactly with it. But the Chinese government obviously have more control over in immediate things than a lot of other countries do. You don't know that, just stick on the news for five minutes and I'm sure you'll catch yourself up. But with they basically brought in these rules that were overhauling the entire industry. So the general gist was suggesting that um, they were going to ban online teaching at the weekends. They were going to limit um, foreign teachers from doing things. They were going to uh, go after classes and, and, um, and curriculums that were to do with their own national curriculums of the maths and, and English was included in that obviously, Chinese language, all those kind of things um, were going to be severely limited outside of school. There was lots of different reasons that were given. Honestly, no one really knows exactly why and if anyone does try to tell you they know exactly why, they're just a bit full of themselves because there's about 17 million different reasons for everything that happened but the general gist was that we were always told was that they're trying to reduce the, the weight of the, or the burden on these kids who are getting a lot of classes and stuff um, and then as well as that just trying to keep some of the industry inside China. So there was rumours of this about two months ago maybe um, there was talks about it because then someone had leaked a document and um, so it was kind of in everyone's head that it, something might be happening um, there wasn't too much else heard for about a month and a half and then towards the end of what month is this is august towards the end of july there was more talk on it suddenly and it started to become a thing of the this this is probably going to happen and then two weeks ago like you said it just happened um it went from being rumor to being this is this is happening right now and every company pretty much went into a mild meltdown of sorts some of them went bust immediately and just said all right we're we're gonna fold others were very ambiguous with their messages to people um our, our company was extremely ambiguous they didn't give a message straight away and we worked for wales english um the messages that we got were kind of just wait in we're fine we're gonna do whatever we can then the next message would be you'll be able to continue your courses but after that the co contracts are gonna run out 
and whatever else. But um, I'll let Jess finish off this bit. But yeah, just a lot of chaos and uncertainty that came along with it. And basically, the industry has been completely overhauled. And I'm sure that everyone at ITA is probably having to pivot a lot of their their advice yeah. for online teaching, which would have been. Yeah the big one to go to because the pay was very very good it was the the perfect job if you want to live this kind of lifestyle right at the minute it was it was really really wonderful Thank so but Jess if you want to keep going yeah just here I didn't know if you had a another question yeah well I was just gonna add in yeah I mean we we had heard those rumors as well at ITA but I think a lot of the assumption was that you know the regulations whatever they were were not going to be as strict um, or stringent and and um, have as huge of an effect as they've had. So two weeks ago, when those regulations were announced, we we were we were all not surprised that they had that they had been announced, but shocked at how how strict they how strict they were and and sort of you know we it's been hard to really get set answers from companies and um, you know that that actually I don't want to say that actually makes sense, but that yeah. that that you can look at it and go, okay, so this is what the future is going to look like for this company. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and yeah. As, as far as we were concerned as well, like we were we were being told by our companies that, um, they, that they didn't know anything. So that mm-hmm. it came, and of course you can only take all of this information with a grain of salt, but you were being told that, you know, it was as much of a shock to the company as it was to us. And all of a sudden... There, like you said, there were rumors, and then it was real. But nobody actually knew how real it was. Even the companies themselves. Again, mm-hmm. this is what they're what we're being told. So we were constantly kind of unsure. So I think that even whenever we knew that it would, it was most likely going to end. It wasn't a definite yet because we were being told that they were waiting for more information. That they mm-hmm. were constantly in contact with local law enforcement, and they couldn't get any definite answers from anybody. Again, it everything has happened so fast, but even within that fast period of time, there was so much. I don't want to say hope, but there was a little bit of that because no, you're there like, was, well, if they don't. Was the right I mean, yeah, if they don't know, then we don't know, and you know, maybe it will be this, or maybe they will just you know shift to a different platform or a different way of doing it because because China's their their English tutoring programs and obviously the the massive expat community in China teaching. Um, is so big and it's such an English is such an integral part of their curriculum that nobody ever expected that China would just be like okay no more English that's not a priority for us anymore so I think that that's just um, more than anything else it's it's a shock I thought Jess was going to say it there, but they we fully lost our job yesterday. Like so, that was so oh, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, sorry. Um, so we got told two weeks ago that it was pretty much going to be the end. That. Our, we would, but we'd be allowed to run our contracts out and like like I said before with Wales we get six month classes so if we had a new class that had just started I could technically run that class through until February so as far as we were aware we were going to have a full schedule till probably October mid-October and then it would start dwindling out which would have been okay because we'd had time to, to realign what we were doing while still having an income but then last, uh, sorry, two nights ago um, I, I checked my schedule on the app and all of my classes were disappearing one by one. Every time I refreshed it, they were just disappearing, disappearing, disappearing. It was like, oh gosh. I looked at the Facebook groups online and everyone is just going crazy and like saying that we're, oh, we're done, we're, fin- we're finished, we're doing this and that. It's the one time that those, uh, the Facebook groups are usually really helpful, but it's been really horrible. They've, they've been horrific in a lot of these senses this last couple of weeks because everyone is suddenly an expert on everything that's happened, just breeding the fear of it all. But uh, 
they confirmed the next morning. So yesterday morning, we woke up with an email saying that for some reason, all the classes had been taken off. So they decided that they're just going to stay. But they've also got a new course that's starting in about a week. So they've obviously been planning other stuff in the periphery of what's going on to try and um, pivot themselves to stay in business. And we don't get we don't get that side of things. Obviously, they don't tell us these things. Um, and that is, again, the downside of working for a company when you're an independent contractor, where there's not really a mutual respect on both sides in that regard. Um, they have been wonderful to us. They've never missed a paycheck. They've been really helpful to us for the last two years, but it's been very veiled right now. But yeah, so as of yesterday morning, we have zero classes. You know, we were gonna. We should have been teaching today. We should have had. We should have started this podcast ten minutes after our <laughs> our last class, and we should be teaching all day tomorrow and all day Sunday. But we we now have nothing. So um, they've told us we'll get paid for August um, for the two two weeks that we did, which comes up to about a grand for me. So it's a good, a significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that they do hold up to that. Um, and they did tell us today as well we got an email saying that if we wanted to move to China they can try and help us with that so so that's giving me hope that at least we'll get paid because if they're at least doing that they wouldn't just cut our pay and not you know but um, but it's the mystery of all that's kind of interesting and now we've got uh, parents of the kids the parents didn't know much about it either they hadn't I I got emails from from parents that managed to get a hold of my emails and they didn't have any warning. They were getting told different things. They were getting told they were getting put into six-on-one classes instead of two-on-one classes. They were they weren't getting offered refunds. Um, other lots of things going on. And there's now a Facebook group that's that's just filled with um, teachers that have managed to get onto WeChat, and they're being sought out by their old kids. So there's literally hundreds Gosh. of them now. Hundreds and hundreds of the parents yeah. are reaching out, trying to find their their kids' teachers so that they can try and pay for private lessons on the side. So it's not actually stifling the demand for it. It's just forcing them to go in a different a different angle. I've had two of find my kids try to angle. try to do it, you know. So, but um, yeah, very interesting time. <laughs> yeah, interesting and um, yeah, and, and shocking and a little sort of destabilizing. Yes. And kind of at this point, you know, two weeks into these regulations, you would think that they would at least have given some kind of, of notice. You'd, you'd have hoped so. But it's, yeah. it's, the, it's, it's the upside and downside to, to, to how the format of it was, you know, and it's, it's um, mm-hmm. like I said, like Wales were amazing to us for two years. Like I, I defended them a lot when people got frustrated with things. But uh, and we, are, it's, we actively it's told the insecurity people. of all. Yeah, I mean, we actively told people that Wales is an amazing company to work for. I mean, whenever we did the ITA takeovers, it was, we work for Wales and we really enjoy it because it does give us that security. And it's one of the few online teaching platforms where you can have your classes booked out 30 weeks in advance, you know, and you do have the same kids Mm -hmm. every week and it's the same two kids. So it's, you feel like it was a legitimate classroom as such, you know, I mean, you're still seeing them once a week for an hour, but you build that relationship, which is also the hardest part as well. You, we, we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. We didn't get a no, chance yeah. to close up any of our classes. And because of the way that our company structured the, the classrooms or the, the format of teaching, you build relationships with the kids and with the families and the parents. And sometimes you're teaching the same kid every week for a year and a half. I mean, Stephen and I had several students that we saw every single week, you know, we knew their names, we watched them go from age five to age seven, which is a, it's just a major transformation. Mm-hmm. And, and they know you, they joke with you, they laugh with you. 
you you meet their yeah. families, you meet their brothers and sisters whenever they come onto the screen. Like it's it's it, it's hard, and just all of a sudden you'll never have communication with them again. You know, so that's just that mm-hmm. that's I guess the emotional side to the swiftness of it as well is that you just don't even get to say goodbye, which is quite sad. That is, I mean, that is really sad. I I know that you know. I mean, saying saying goodbye to your kids when you've been teaching them for so long it's it's important um yeah. it's important to them and important to important to you i mean i know you guys just got this news but do you have any I- idea of what your plans are of what you're going to be doing or trying to do next um we're, we're obviously uh we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about it right now and stuff and one of the things that uh, we've always said and one of the things that ITA have always been wonderful with especially straight from the start that they're ITA at the very beginning never make you feel kind of bad for not necessarily wanting to be a teacher and understanding that like this is a, a, a means to be able to and travel the world sometimes and that's and it's a wonderful thing and I definitely fell into that bracket personally that I, I don't want to be a teacher in the long run that's not my passion as such you know I, I don't wake up wanting to teach every single day um, I have enjoyed it and I've, I love some of my kids but um, I don't have the disposition to, to deal with six-year-old kids for the rest of my life I, I, I couldn't deal with it um, <laughs> it's just, just uh, yeah <laughs> me too There's, <laughs> I am not either like I said, some, some of the kids I was sad I didn't say bye to some of them uh, I wasn't there was no no love lost there but uh, <laughs> but, the, but uh, when we got the original two weeks one um, honestly like it, it seems like a strange thing but we we both kind of we had a, a sense of sadness and frustration and and fear but we also both had a slight sense of excitement at the same time because we've been talking about wanting to move forward with other things and to do other things I'm, I'm trying to move into writing um, Jess is you know, you, let you talk about it after Jess but like she's looking at things long term and do some other stuff but um, I have always had a serious problem with not just kicking myself to do these things and, and to if I have an income the motivation isn't there as much to, to do yeah. the things you know and I can do it for fun but you never put your, your full self into it so when we had that I suddenly got very excited because I felt very motivated to start putting things in motion to do other stuff to, to do I want I really really want to do and to try and keep traveling and to kind of be proud of ourselves for, for building something of our own and I'm um, I'm looking at being a virtual assistant so um, I'm actually currently working with another IT alumni um, Amanda Colby with um, she, mm-hmm. she's found this incredible way throughout her journey uh, she, the, her and Zach started uh, their journey of teaching about a year before Stephen and I did and Stephen and I have become incredible friends with them through this whole process. I mean, Amanda and Zach were some of the few, few people that we reached out to before we even took the course. So we saw them on an ITA takeover and they were out in Thailand, they were in Chiang Mai and they were teaching and they were living their life and it was like, oh wow, that's a real person. Let me talk to you. <laughs> so, so it was really, really good and we ended up over the last three years um, becoming really good friends with them. We they met with them in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. yeah, they were they were in lockdown mm-hmm. with us in, in Kuala Lumpur uh, for a little bit. And so I've been talking to her since this whole thing has happened. Um, and I am going to be working with her uh, over the next few months to help kind of figure out this online world. I mean, the, the possibilities of making money online are just absolutely un- endless. And especially now, there's a lot of opportunity. You just don't really know how to navigate it. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. working with her to, to kind of figure out how to be a virtual assistant, um, how to do all of that, because 
I think that Stephen kind of mentioned it there, but over the last two years traveling and backpacking and teaching and just doing all of these things, they've just taught us that more than anything, we want to travel and we want to travel for a few more years. And that's, um, that's our priority. So right now we are going to be looking at every possible way to continue doing that. And now we can kind of look at ways to do that that are more sustainable for us as well. Things that we enjoy more, things that give us more flexibility, you know, the option mm-hmm. or the opportunity to choose our schedule and to build on something, which which is mm-hmm. quite exciting. It's nerve wracking, but it's exciting. So that's And that's kind not of our to say as well steps. though that's not to say as well that there's no way that you can still do online teaching. Like, I hope no one takes that from that. that no, absolutely. China, not. You know, there's there's plenty and of plenty of other places that you can do it. We're just making yes. a conscious decision to try and pivot towards mm-hmm. passion and whatever else, as opposed to sticking with the teaching. We're just using that as a as a kind of yeah. the universe telling us that we that if you're going to do it, you should try and do it about now. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's so if yeah. you're hearing that, don't don't be completely like in despair about it just because that part of the industry is gone. There's plenty of other places that yeah. you can teach online and it's a wonderful thing to do and it's given us the, uh, the best two years of my life comfortably yeah um, absolutely and yeah I think um in some ways I feel like teaching online is kind of a, a gateway to figuring out other ways of being um a freelancer or being independent contractor or you know working online outside of this this industry so and then the other thing that I'll say is that as, as Stephen said, yes, there's there are still plenty of companies out there. Um, we don't know how the industry is going to change from this um, and, and grow and adapt. ITA has our online employer comparison chart um, that we've, it's been a resource for a long time. Um, if you're an enrolled student uh, or alumni, you have access to that. Um, and we've recently changed it so that you can see what the Chinese companies are, the Chinese-based companies are, and the non-Chinese-based companies are. Um, and there are there are many companies um, and schools out there that are not based in China that are not affected by these regulations. Um, when Stephen and I, when we were talking about the two of you coming on this podcast, you had mentioned that uh, I think maybe in conversation with other other alumni or other people looking to do this, that this um, method of traveling. Uh, whether it's teaching online or otherwise, I guess, but this method of traveling can feel daunting from the outside uh, looking in, which feels accurate. <laughs> um, Definitely. <laughs> what um, What do you think makes it work for for you guys? For me, uh, like I said, I, I was in an office for five years, and I um, I ended up in America in the first place because I wanted something different. I, I could have went to university in, in Scotland, but I, I just, I wanted something a little bit different. I wasn't getting excited about it. It wasn't the fact that I was excited about university or not excited about that. I just wanted something a little bit different. So America was very different. And I was clinging on to that idea of different when I graduated and when I took the job that I did because it let me stay in America. I didn't love the job. Um, there's certain aspects of it I did like, but I spent five years doing it. But it was five years of exactly the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And the, the, the way I always frame it in my head is that I spent five years of my life there. And if you picked a date off the calendar of any of those, of any of those five years, just picked any day, May the 6th or October the 24th or whatever it is, and I went back in my calendar that day and I worked out where I was and what I was doing, there's the, the, the smallest chance that I have a, a genuine memory of mm-hmm. that week. Um, 
and that killed me that I spent five years in my 20s with the occasional weekend that was really exciting or having to, to save an entire year to go and do something really amazing for, for two weeks and have it gone in a flash and miss out on things still and then go back to the same thing. But I look back on the last two years that we've spent and uh, it's actually been two years yesterday. So we, we left on August 19th, two years ago. So it's kind of, so again, we lost our jobs two years to the day after. Happy yeah. two years. Uh, so nice and <laughs> okay. point, again, yeah, yeah. That's, again, that's the universe again. That's the universe just telling you. But, um, but I look back on those two years and I can now, I can look at every single week, virtually every single week for the last two years of my life. Um, maybe with the exception of when I was home yeah. even in Scotland we still did stuff and you know but um and I can find something that I did that week that I wouldn't have ever done if I was stuck in an office whether it was something simple like like walking into a new town and, and remembering the food there whether it was hiking on the Great Wall of China which is the big one the, the, the big ones that you think everyone will remember all the time or we stayed with nomads in Mongolia and all those kind of things and it's like those are amazing like bucket list sounding mm-hmm. things but even in, on the other weeks, there was always just something new that I can remember, and if I and I can look back, and and I thrive on that feeling, and I I just can't buy into the concept that the the tough parts of it and the uncertainty isn't worth it when you can look back at two years or three years or four years or ten years of your life and have that amount of memories and that amount of happiness and excitement and things that you're kind of just being forced to learn about yourself like I, I never want to be the person that waits till I'm retired to have to deal with that and so regardless of how tough it, it might be and the stress that you might get occasionally that makes it worthwhile mm-hmm. every time 10 times over and regardless of whether you want to travel or you don't want to travel I think you should just try it anyway because um, regardless you're going to find out something about it and yourself and yeah. go with it yeah. I, and for me I I just wanted to see if I could do it honestly um, I was at home I was whenever Stephen and I were living in Wilmington I was working for a law firm so I was essentially a paralegal at a real estate law firm and um, and I enjoyed what I did I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the work I was okay like I wasn't as miserable or um, just ready to just leave everything behind as Stephen was. But whenever I was looking at teaching and getting my TEFL and being able to travel, I had no understanding of what that actually meant. But I was like, I can do it. So yeah, I guess that sounds cool. And and whenever I told my parents about it, it that it was a whole other <laughs> whole other topic. But um, I, I essentially told them that it was going to be for a year. And it was like, we're just going to try it out for a year. We're just going to go travel a bit, whatever. And of course, pre-COVID, that was before we knew anything would happen the way that it did. <laughs> but I was like, we're just going to backpack for a year, see how it goes. I'll come back. I, I'll get back into real estate. I'll do all this stuff and it'll be fine. Not a big deal. But let's just see if I can do it. Like, it just sounds exciting. And there was a, a lot of naivety. Absolute. I had no understanding of where we would go, what we would do, what it would take. Um, everything that would change throughout the last two years um but yeah i just wanted to know that i could do it and it was almost like a the first time in my life i had kind of like a why not moment and Mm -hmm. i i had this idea and this thought and stephen was so excited about it and he was so like oh my gosh yeah we can do it and i was like but how how can you just go and travel and it not be a holiday or it not be you know, you save up all year, you take your time off and you go. Like, I just didn't understand that concept. But then teaching allowed us to actually see kind of how it 
could happen and how people do live lives like this. And then we just got excited and we went. And now I can't imagine my life for the next three or four years not traveling. Like it's become a priority and a way of life. I mean, like what actually is keeping me from traveling the world? And there's nothing. So, what have been some of your favorite moments over the last two years? Tough. Um, must pick. Oh my goodness. Um, I think uh, Mongolia will still stick with me a lot um, as like a really random out there one. Um, we were in Alambatar, and Alambatar was um, that was our first kind of out there place to go. It's, it's still a place that's not very much on on the the tourist trail at all really and we ended up finding a man that would take us out into the middle of Mongolia um, to meet a couple of nomadic families, nomadic farmers out there. When you're out there there's there's a lot of, there's tourist nomadic families now where they have ones that are set up and they they have like a gear set up for you and you go in and you milk a cow with them and you sing songs of them and it's and it's it's you know a production for you so you can see what it's like to live there and they are nomadic families but it's definitely fabricated for your interest but the guy that we found really had a disdain for that and so his method was to drive a few hours outside of Alambatar and then just take a random turn off the road and then just approach different their different families and just kind of ask them can we have a couple of people from America and Scotland here would you mind if they could they crash here tonight basically <laughs> so we ended up um this guy's in this guy's gear he was the only one there at the time um he had just arrived at his winter camp that morning so this guy had just trailed about 500 goats and sheep oh my god about 70 miles across the, the wilderness of mongolia and he was still like uh yeah yeah you can come in and obviously he couldn't speak a word of english obviously he didn't say yeah come in. he said something in mongolian but uh but you could see him kind of freaking out and he called his brother from the city who drove out in a Prius came out with some food and we, we sat up and we sat up most of the night um, drinking fermented horses milk and vodka mm-hmm. with them and in the morning they slaughtered a goat in front of us for breakfast but um, I think that will stick out for me as the biggest one um, yeah I think yeah. I think that one for me I, I, I would agree with that that but, was the that was the first time I think that I was um, I was properly like oh my gosh what's what's happening right Ooh. now that will I think forever stick out for me as well and then camping on the Great Wall of China that that's a uh, that being on the Great Wall of China is you know a massive bucket list moment but we actually camped on the old part of the wall so we didn't see anybody mm-hmm. um, for almost two days and we had the entire wall to ourselves and we hiked and we spent the night in an old guardhouse. Um, so that was really cool. It was cool to be in that moment and not only take off that bucket list, but also be like, wow, I, I am actually here. Like it was, it, that was cool. So that would be my, my close second, I think to Mongolia. I mean, those are both pretty phenomenal experiences. <laughs> They're wonderful. Uh, so we're gonna sort of start wrapping up a little bit but is there anything that you wish people asked you that you never seem to get the chance to answer there's nothing that we've been asked a lot of questions and i can't honestly think of one that i could give an answer to that that i haven't already given but i think the best thing that you could possibly do the best question you could ever ask before you do it is genuinely try and ask yourself why you want to do it um, and why you want to go traveling and why you want to teach and why you want to do these things. Um, I think a lot of people get an idea in their head 
with with something or they've seen someone else do something or they've seen something on Instagram or they've um, had an idea in their head about something for a long time and they don't actually question the reasons why they have it and if you're not genuinely questioning yourself you, you might end up making the wrong decision in that regard and it's, it, it came down I mean what we said earlier about our first intention was to go to China and to teach in a brick and mortar school there and if we hadn't sat down and genuinely just asked ourselves like like why why are we actually doing this we would have been in Shenzhen for that entire mm-hmm. year and we might have had an absolute blast and we could have discovered something wonderful about, about ourselves and everything else but we wouldn't have done half of the things that we've been to you know since, since then we've we've realized that we love traveling we love seeing new places we've been to mongolia singapore mm. vietnam albania macedonia serbia like we're turkey like we've done all these things and if we had if we hadn't asked ourselves that one little question we would have done something completely different with it and and it doesn't matter how silly your reason is for wanting to do it the, the point is that you should try at least try and have a reason and if you don't have a reason it's okay to not have the reason as well and you should that's when you should just try something random at that mm-hmm. point you know and i think but, like, um it's but don't don't convince yourself it's something yeah and else, kind you know? of piggyback on what steven said i think it's just about being honest you know completely honest with yourself and realizing that this lifestyle that people are choosing whether it be to teach in a brick and mortar school in another country or do what we did and just backpack and teach online choosing this kind of a life it, I, I think that it's a hard thing to understand and kind of grasp that there aren't any restrictions for you, you know? So like you're, you're choosing this completely different lifestyle, but you don't have to place limitations on yourself. So be honest and say, do I want to be in this country? How long do I want to be there? Do I want to travel around? Do I want to do all of these things? And realize that because you are making the, the, the hardest choice to make that switch, to, to leave your home or to go and travel, um, you've already done the hard part, you know, so don't mm-hmm. place limitations on yourself and don't say, you know, I want to do this, but I can't do that. It's it's about seeing how can I do it instead of, oh, I just can't, you know, so I think that people, you, you take the biggest step and then you almost forget that you've already taken the biggest step and now it's about creating the life that you want, you know, you're, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you've already, you've already done it. So now just continue doing what you want to do and that's that's okay yeah and it sounds like it sounds like you guys have sort of continued that philosophy in in figuring out what you what you're planning on doing next and you know what you're pursuing next now that you know now that you're not going to be teaching for Wales is you know you've created the life that you guys want and you're going to continue doing that exactly just in a slightly different way now yeah yes so last uh last question and I think this is an interesting one for you guys, but how how does your or how has your feeling of home changed after doing this? I'll go first. Listen, you, you probably have a different answer for me than me, Jess. But um, so I was, for for me, home. My mum's always my mum and dad have always kicked me out of the house. You know, they they've always very much been a go out, see things, do things. My sister's just got a teaching job in Doha, so she's moved over there. I've you know we've both been different sides of the world. My sister and I were only on the same continent for the first time in four years this year. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't happen very often because it's just it's just how we've been brought up. And my mum and dad have always assumed that there's a good chance that I might end up living in America or somewhere else. But I think when you're traveling as much as as we've been doing, and especially to so many different places, it may not be so much of a thing if you're stuck in one place. 
but I start to piece together little bits of things that matter to me um, in, in every place and the, the things that I genuinely enjoy and feel comfortable with, whether that's the big things like healthcare, you know, like we, we, in, we were in, I've come from the UK, obviously we've got the NHS and I'd never had to think about it. Being in America, I was terrified of using any healthcare whatsoever. Um, just because of, I didn't understand the insurance and when I did use it, even though I had insurance, I was still paying 300 or 400 bucks to get told I was fine. But then in, in Istanbul, I, I went to the dentist and I, I had two sessions at the dentist for $25, you know, and so those things matter in, in that regard and, and it, you kind of start to build a picture of where you want to be and, and how you want to live your life, even when you do stop traveling. And it can be as little as like the culture, the pace of places, the Balkans, the culture there of just going very, very slow all the time and not having to rush around in the same way that America does and those things and um, be able to sit down and just relax and have a coffee and then move on. Like little things like that piece together a picture of where your ideal place to, to live would be. And I, I think it's impossible for you to genuinely love where you're from if you don't see what else is out there because you'll never have a full grasp on how good a system or how good a thing that your place is because it may be the best thing in the world and if you leave and travel the world and you come back in North Carolina or Scotland or Paris or Germany wherever it is that you are still tops every single one of those lists for you then that's wonderful you were born in your perfect place but um, Scotland for me has in all my time in America and then all my time traveling um, looks more wonderful all the time because um, it does throw together a lot of the things that I love. But there's places that we've been to now where I'm, I'm in love with and I could I could live happily yeah. as well. So it's home isn't it, home has never been a um, physical place for me technically. It's always kind of, it sounds corny as hell as well. But <laughs> um, where I feel comfortable, where I see myself and where I have the things I want, that can be home. Like my mum and dad are in Scotland, that is home. But they they're, And that will always be home as well. But home could be Kuala Lumpur. I adore Kuala Lumpur. Home could be Tirana. I adore Tirana with a passion. Like um, home could be Belgrade. I could do that happily. Yeah, I think I think it just put, it paints a bigger picture, a better picture mm-hmm. for yourself. And I would I would agree with that. Before we uh, left for for teaching, um, before we left to travel, home was North Carolina. That was it. At the very least, it was America. But since traveling, I too have had this um, understanding of being able to choose your your lifestyle and the freedom in that and being able to say like oh no I actually like this or I value this so I want this to be a part of my home I want this to be a part of what I do every day or what I see every day or the social pace of things you know like it's just you you start to see a lot of different ways of doing the same thing and then you get to say oh that one works for me Mm. and I think that the more you travel the more places you live in the more you realize that it's actually not hard to choose the life that you want. And that's a freedom that staying at home and being in the same place for your entire life can never give you because it'll always feel like a certain life was chosen for you and that's all that you know. But the idea and the reality that you can actually choose the perfect life for yourself, it just it creates this whole other dimension of reality that you didn't know existed. And that's, that's what home has become for me. I, I don't know now where we're going to end up. Luckily for me, I I have also learned that with Stephen, every place that we go really does feel like home. You know, we we get to a place and instead of freaking out at 
the fact that they don't have, you know, the kitchen appliances that I'm used to or the bed is really small and it's not like what it was back at home or, or the differences in things. We look at it and within a day and a half, it feels like it's our place. Mm-hmm. And that's a really lovely thing. Yeah, your mindset just totally shifts and you realize that home... Yeah. But you are that home for me, <laughs> darling. I'm going to edit out this answer so that it's just what you said. Uh, <laughs> that would be amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, thank you so very much, you guys. It's been really wonderful to, to chat and to talk. And I'm uh, I'm so glad to hear that you guys have plans for your future and, and know you're going to be going in, you know, after this. Six months, it may be a very different podcast. <laughs> you know, you you talked earlier in the podcast about hope. Um, and how you kind of had hope the last two weeks um, because there was so much unknown and it feels like you guys still have that hope. It's just uh, in a slightly different location now. It's it's focused in a different direction. So that's really lovely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having us, yeah. For having us, it's great. You you have a lot of editing to do. You've been listening to Teach Travel Talk About It, an international TEFL Academy podcast hosted by Jasira Varnak, mixed and edited by Ian Kelly Davis. For more information about teaching English abroad, visit internationalteflacademy.com or find us on social media at International TEFL Academy. Thanks for listening.